0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Backwards Hat Podcast. I hit a PR in deadlift today. I have a protein shake on my stomach. I've had plenty of caffeine, and we have some fire-breathing content today. Uh, I will try to convey how irritated I am right now with the whole baseball scandal, but we will get to all of that. We have some XFL Week 2 preview. Got my thoughts on the Mookie Betts trade. Trevor Bauer sounding off on the MLB. And then we also have my rant on the Astros. So without further ado, let's get started. Before we go on, though, uh, please take the time to follow us on all of our social media accounts. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, We have a Facebook page, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. We're getting a lot more involved on LinkedIn lately, so make sure to connect with us on there. And also, text us on our WhatsApp account at 317 798 nine nine six nine we really want to hear your thoughts and opinions on the show as well as the various topics that we cover so make sure to text us on whatsapp we won't respond unless it's on there but shoot us a text we want to stay connected with our audience so like i said today a little bit of a fire breather that centers around the catastrophe that has been baseball this offseason season. First and foremost, let's start with the Dumpster Fire Astros organization, who in my mind are competing basically with the Browns and the Bengals for the worst organization in sports. I mean, they're just, they're unbelievably frustrating. And I have four points of contention with this team right now. I'm going to try to get through them really quickly so we can get to the XFL. But number one, how these players are getting off free is just completely beyond me. They were a part of of an elaborate scheme that gave them an unfair advantage over their opponent. This is absolutely the same thing as taking PEDs. And everyone that took part in this should be suspended for 80 games, just like someone that's caught with steroids. I'm so sick of people defending them, acting like, oh, this is some widespread thing that everyone in the league does, and somehow the Astros, they had to do it to keep up with everyone else, because everyone cheats. Bull freaking crap. They cheated. I don't care if the whole league is cheating. Catch everyone else and discipline them. That's the MLB's fault if that's happening. This idea that, oh, if you're not gaming the system, if you're not cheating, you're not trying to win. It's a complete farce. It's a pathetic way of you trying to defend cheaters. So everyone defending the Astros, it's a miserable excuse for cheaters. Number two, how the players have handled this publicly easily makes every casual baseball fan hate them much more than they hate the Yankees, the Red Sox. Like... At least give some semblance of a freaking apology. I'm I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, and I hate the Yankees. But what the Astros are doing and how arrogant they've been responding to this whole situation—they're easily my most hated team in sports right now. Like I'm a big Buckeye fan. I hate Michigan, but right now I hate the Astros more. It's just they're disgusting to me. And partially, some of this is because it's personal. Like I played baseball, so I have more passion for you know the unwritten rules. The Stuff like that, but my gosh, this is just way over the top. And then we also have Jim Crane, who, obviously the owner of the Astros, sounded like a complete freaking moron in the press conference earlier this week. He basically said the sign-stealing scheme had no effect on the outcome of the game. We won the World Series, and that had nothing to do with it. And then later he was prompted by a similar question, asking him basically asking him the same thing, and he backtracked and said, That the scheme, or that he didn't say it didn't affect the game. So basically, on one answer, he said it didn't affect the game. Then in the next answer, he said, I never said that it didn't affect the game. So they know that they got caught cheating. They know that the penalty is not stiff enough, and they're going to get off free with a championship. I was not in favor of them having this World Series vacated at first. I, I just wasn't. I didn't think it was the right thing to do. I thought it would be causing more of a scene than anything else. But at this point in time, I think the the douchebaggery that has occurred with how they're handling this situation needs they need to teach them a lesson. Like there were some people saying, Oh, disband the organization. Uh, eh, let's let's not go that far. But like penalties need to be much stiffer. Players need to be suspended. Jim Crane needs to be fined out the butt for being an idiot and saying that this didn't affect the game so I'm just I'm sick of the Astros I I know that people are saying that Altuve is probably going to be the most uh most hit by pitches ever in a season I'm usually not for that but like him and Bregman have just been complete tools this entire time I'm glad that 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 other MLB players are completely sounding off on how one hypocritical this has been by the MLB and the way they've handled it but two just how everyone knows that the way these guys have handled this is just completely wrong. So that's hopefully my last argument or my last rant about the Astros. I'm sick of talking about them because they're a bunch of morons, but whatever. Let's move on to the next thing. As a Red Sox fan, I've still not gotten over the loss of Mookie Betts. However, I'm not really closed off to the fact that I know Kime Bloom essentially did what he had to do as unpopular as a move it was with Boston fans. They're just they have too many guys. They're gonna have to pay way too many guys. They have David Price's contract is terrible, even though he's been okay the last couple of years. There just really wasn't another option. The weirdest part of all this though is that Dave Dombrowski kind of maintains that the organization got rid of him because they quote unquote just wanted to go in a different direction. The farm system was depleted and there were going to be a lot of big names to pay, but it's really no different than any of the other richest teams. You know, you got your Dodgers and Yankees, you got your big market teams. They deal with that a lot. A lot of times their farm systems are not great. Or when they do have good farm system pieces, they just use them for, or they trade their prospects and money for big stars because they're always in win now mode. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you can afford it, like I'm, I'm not opposed to that. But, I mean, that ship has kind of sailed now. The worst part, in my opinion, in my very humble opinion, is that we were going to get a dog and name it Mookie. I mean, do the Red Sox not care about me? I mean, I mean, come on. We were going to... Like, my, my wife was not a... <laughs> she was not a a big baseball fan she liked baseball but she didn't really have a favorite team so she's like okay babe I'll just root for the Red Sox since you root for them and then she thought Mookie was a cool name and I was like okay well when we get a dog we're naming him Mookie and well, I mean I still love Mookie it's not his fault he got traded so I mean maybe Mookie's still in the cards right now Poppy seems a little bit better because Big Poppy retired a Red Sox but we'll see what happens the last thing I want to touch on in regards to baseball today is Trevor Bauer just sounding off on the MLB in a tweet that he published yesterday. I mean, he's been pretty critical of the MLB the last couple of weeks, but yesterday he published a tweet, and he basically railed against the MLB for a number of reasons. I'll go through those with you real quick. One, changing the rules. So, one, pitchers are having to face a minimum of three batters now, unless it's the last batter of the inning. So when a pitcher comes in from the bullpen, they have to face three batters or if that's the last guy. It's idiotic because it takes away strategy from the defender. Like, I know that people don't like the fact that they bring in lefty specialists for one batter, but make your freaking lefty learn how to hit other lefties and we wouldn't need specialists. They also say that you can come out if you're injured, but that's at the discretion of the umpire. Like, How exactly are they going to regulate that? All the guy has to do is say, hey, um, my arm hurts, I need to come out. What moronic umpire is going to say, nope, I'm going to make you throw even though you say it hurts? Because what if the guy's arm actually does hurt? That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. It just takes one guy to have to go on the DL for 60 days after them saying, no, you have to pitch before they get sued. I mean, the the whole rule is just really stupid, to be honest with you. So um, I know Bauer was talking about that a little bit, about how they're changing the rules, trying to speed up pace of play. He also talked about the MLB centralizing all of their content. So a lot of their content, it has to be paid for. And basically his argument is that the younger generation would rather not watch than pay for stuff that they can typically get for free. Like they have an unbelievable amount of blackouts uh, because of, you know, paid content. Their social media presence is really not on par with other sports and everyone knows your T V nowadays is your cell phone. So I, I'm one hundred percent on board with him in this regard because, you know, most social media algorithms favor quantity right now. They they favor quality as well, but they lean more towards quantity of your content. So if you're putting out a bunch, their algorithms will read that and I just don't think that baseball is on par with everyone and they're not really, they're not really addressing the problem they're trying to address. Like, they want to appeal to the younger generation. They want to speed up games, but that's not making the game more entertaining. Just like football games go three, three and a half, sometimes four hours. People can sit and watch, and yeah, there's more action involved, but it's not the length of time. So I, I don't think that that makes a difference. But uh, it's dumb. Uh, stupid rules limiting player expression is another argument that he was making. Um, this was probably the most debatable point, but one of the points he made was that Mike Clevenger, uh, he was either fined or he was told that he could not wear a pair of cleats because they were too colorful, basically, and that players are only allowed to wear cleats with a maximum of three colors on them. So you think about most guys' cleats, it's going to be black, white, and then either red or blue depending on who your team is and i have to say i'm on board with everything bauer is saying like it's no secret the mlb popularity is going down all their efforts to change the game and speed it up i think makes zero percent difference in making the game more entertaining I and mean, shoot they've even talked about outlawing shifts to produce more scoring which is even dumber than the bullpen rule this year that's like telling an nfl defense hey against this particular QB." You're not allowed to blitz on third downs because he could probably throw better and score more if he didn't have any pressure. Like, it's it, it's insane to me that you're limiting strategy on the defense. That's It's the same thing as earlier, like when I was saying make your lefties learn how to hit lefties. Well, if you have a four-hole hitter that can't hit or that he can't hit opposite field, why would I make sure that I have equal amounts of guys on each side of the bag why would I not shift like he make him learn how to hit to the opposite field that's it's just dumb so I I think Rob Manfred's been horrible for baseball if anyone follows me on social they know my feelings about Rob Manfred I basically think everything he's done since he's become the commissioner of this league is dumber than the last thing he did so we will leave it at that and like I said no more little breaks I'm just gonna continue going right through man oh man i'm excited about the xfl um there was a guy earlier this week that posted on linkedin about how excited he was and i commented and i was like you know it's actually crazy how excited i am and or how excited i was and i still am for this league like there's no teams in indianapolis There's only three guys from Ohio State even on a roster, so it's not like there's that big of an Ohio State presence that I really, really definitively have to root for someone, but maybe it's because it's new, you know? Like, fear of missing out. Like, I picked the defenders as a team to root for maybe because I have FOMO, but, you know... I just think it's more fun to watch. Um, I've been, I've been kind of following along with this ever since the XFL was announced in 2018. And I think they did uh, themselves a lot of favors by announcing really early that they had a season coming. So yeah, I'm, I'm just super jacked up about this league. And I think I've used the word super jacked up together, <laughs> um, probably a hundred times in the last two weeks. So apologies if that's annoying to you, but Let's uh, let's get some uh, review or not review, but preview of week two coming up for the XFL. We have uh, first game, my game of the week, the DC Defenders versus the New York Guardians. I think most other people that watched last week would have this as their game of the week as well. Um, the Roughnecks did put up 37 points last week, so some would argue with my next opinion about the Defenders having the best offense in the league, which I do. I mean, they did put up 31 points. Uh, Cardell Jones wasn't extremely efficient but I mean he he made big plays but that's what I believe for right now is that they have the best offense in the league this game obviously it's intriguing because the Guardians had by far the best defensive performance last week they forced three fumbles which they recovered one of them and they had two picks in their performance against the Vipers um, pretty much making them a defensive force going into week two I thought the defenders looked really smooth on offense, especially as the game went on. Like I said, Cardo Jones wasn't extremely efficient, but he made big plays when he needed to, which is basically the same thing he did at Ohio State. So, um, and the offense didn't turn the ball over, which, you know, duh, your offense is better when they don't turn the ball over, but that's a good measure of any offense is when you can hang on to the football, you got a lot better chance. So best offense versus best defense the one thing that I think the defenders need to do going into week two I think they really need to get Pumphrey a little more involved this week Uh, I mean he's he's so dynamic that it's just going to open up their downfield game against the Guardians who obviously showed they can turn you over in their secondary Um, last week Pumphrey only had four carries and then he had one catch on three targets so I personally think if he touches the ball 10 to 15 times maybe even more that's going to make them that much more dangerous and some of that's game flow uh i mean obviously if you're up by 20 points or so you're going to run the ball more but you know i just think that 15 times for pumphrey is really going to open things up downfield for this team as for the guardians i do think they're going to have to work a little harder on offense this week than they did last week Uh, matt mcgloin looked okay he was 15 for 29 with 182 yards Um, But they did only have 44 yards rushing, and I don't care what league you're in, it's going to be tough to win with 44 yards on the ground. Maybe the XFL will prove me wrong, but I I just think you have to have more on the ground to win football games, especially since they, you know, if they don't force as many turnovers this week, um, because obviously forcing three turnovers is going to help any offense out. So if they're not forcing turnovers like that, the offense is going to have to prove that they can move the ball more efficiently uh to put up points. So really excited for the Defenders versus Guardians rolling with my Defenders uh through the rest of this year. So I'm I'm a really really intrigued by this game. Number 2, we have the Tampa Bay Vi- Vipers vor- Oh my gosh. We have the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the Seattle Dragons. For me, the biggest X-factor X-factor here is going to be whether or not Seattle can hang on to the ball. They put up 19 on the defenders last week, which is not bad, but they turned it over three times. Uh, Silvers threw for 217 yards, and they had a pretty good performance on the ground. They rushed for 97 yards, so they are capable of moving the football. But just as I said uh, last week, or just as I said for how the Guardians uh, turn the ball over, uh, they turn you over on defense, you know they just this team can't turn the ball over. I I don't know how how else to say if you turn the football over you're not going to win football games. So they are absolutely capable of moving the football, but it doesn't matter what league you're in, you cannot get away with giving the other team extra possessions, especially especially a team like the def- the defenders um which they did last week. So the biggest thing that I did notice about Seattle is their defensive line was extremely fast off the snap. I mean, they didn't get to Cardale Jones very much, but not a lot of teams will because I personally think he's going to be the MVP. But there were several times where it was like, bang, bang. As soon as that ball moved, they had dudes shooting off the line. And Cardale Jones is just big, strong, and athletic enough to avoid them, but... I thought that they, especially early on, caused him a lot of fits. Um, you know, with how quickly their defensive line got off the ball. So if they can get home a little bit more often, that's really going to open things up for them. So, um, yeah, that'll that'll be my X factor for the Dragons. As for the Vipers, it's a team that I don't want to totally write off yet. I mean, yeah, that's a really tough performance. You turn the ball over three times. Tough game. We we really. This is going to be kind of a theme for me throughout the rest of this episode. We really don't know how good the Guardians' defense is to say it was all the defense. So if, if that's true, if it was all just the Guardians' defense is just unreal, then you know the Vipers have a little bit more of a shot. You know, we'll find out, okay, are, is their offense really just that bad? Um, you know, I, I suspect we're going to find that out this weekend. Um, but here's the thing. Again, they moved the ball well. Aaron Murray threw for 231 yards. They ran for 150 against New York. So they are absolutely capable of moving the football. Now, we just need to see if they can hang on to it. I mean, it's it's only been a week, so we can't write anyone off yet. So I'm looking forward to seeing, A, if the turnovers were a fluke or if that's just who they're going to be, and, B, If they don't turn the ball over, did those yards translate to points? Because you can gain all the yards you want, but if you're constantly having to put up field goals inside the red zone, that's the quickest way to lose yourself a football game. So if they can hang on to the football, does that translate into points for them? So exciting game to watch. The third one will be the Dallas Renegades versus the Los Angeles Wildcats i think this game is big for two reasons both involving quarterbacks both of these teams are getting all right at least we think right now both of them i know for sure dallas is getting landry jones back they've already said he's going to be starting this week as for la josh johnson was their slated starter he is number one on their death chart um it is really hard to gauge where either of these teams are especially without their starters. So this I think this is a must watch especially for their fans to find out how good these teams really are. Um I'm curious to see how the Wildcats come out in this game. They fired their defensive coordinator and released their captain on defense after one week. I mean, granted, they gave up 37 points to the Roughnecks. Not exactly the way to start out with a bang, but I mean, there had to be some underlying issues for that to have occurred. Like they just, maybe they had differences that they knew about already and they just really unveiled themselves in week one to show this is not going to work, but either that or there's just a lot of discourse as far as getting along with personality. So for that to have happened after week one, there, there really had to be some issues going on the problem though for the Wildcats is even though the Renegades only put up nine points last week I don't think they're going to get much of a break because Bob Stoops is now calling plays for Landry Jones who's going to be a much better fit for an air raid style offense because obviously that's what he came from so here's the other thing about the Renegades honestly their defense wasn't that bad like They only gave up 15 points, but the area that really showed some weakness was their uh, defense against the run. So they gave up 191 yards rushing to the BattleHawks, including 77 yards to the quarterback to Amu. So they won't face quite the dual threat and their quarterback this week. Uh, I I don't think no matter who starts for the Wildcats, they're not going to be as athletic and mobile as to Amu. But the big question to answer for the Wildcats is who is that quarterback going to be? They have Josh Johnson, who was upgraded to limited in practice this week, and Kanoff has been a did-not-practice with some head issues. So I'm really curious to see if Johnson's going to be out there for this one. Um, I believe Josh Johnson has the most NFL experience in uh, of all the players that are in the XFL. I don't know if they're basing that off of time played or just years of service because he was in the league for a long time, but he he didn't really start that much. So uh we'll we'll see. Um I'm I'm genuinely excited to see how these teams come out and play cuz you know, it's it's just hard when you have when you don't have your starting quarterback. I'm a Colts fan and we found out how hard it is when you don't have your starting quarterback this year. I'm certainly not comparing either one of these guys to Andrew Luck, but um yeah, it's it's just going to be really fun to see what these teams really are. So lastly, we have the St. Louis Battlehawks versus the Houston Roughnecks. As with all other games, I'm incredibly interested for a couple reasons. One, I want to find out, is the Roughnecks offense really as good as they showed in week one? Can the Battlehawks turn all their yards into more points? Is Ta'amu as much of a stud as he showed last week against the Renegades? And four, is Phillip Walker the frontrunner for MVP? So let me know what you think. But if the Roughnecks have another offensive performance like they did last week, in my opinion, Phillip Walker is going to have to be the front runner for the MVP. Um, I think most people after week one would have him and Cardale Jones in that conversation together. But I think if he puts up another performance like that, he's going to have to be number one. And honestly, I think that the Roughnecks would move into the favorites to win the championship unless the defenders completely ball out against the guardians If like the defenders come out and thrash the guardians. Then I, I think they're still the favorites, but if they have like a 17 to 15 or, you know, 20 to 18 ball game, I think that if the roughnecks come out and handle business, you got to think about making them the front runner for, uh, for the odds to win the championship speaking of odds i do think that's really cool that they have betting odds going on a lot of a lot of sports gambling talk during the live broadcast i think that whether you're a gambler or not i think that's adding more intrigue to the games like you know if you have fantasy sports that's going to add if you have sports betting obviously if people have money riding on it they're going to want to watch the games more so i think that's a really interesting part but As I said earlier, my phrase, I'm just so (laughs) super jacked up to watch this league and find out what these teams really are. I mean, we can guess all we want based off of their rosters. I mean, you can always look at what college did these players play for, who all played in the NFL. We can say we know a little bit after week one, but my guess is we're really going to need to see each of these teams play each other at least once before we have a really clear picture of what these teams really are. So especially you take a look at teams like the Vipers and Renegades. They both did not look very good, but the Renegades are getting a good quarterback back and the Vipers, you know, turnovers are part of the game. You you can't do it, but we get to find out is that first game of the year jitters or is that who they are? If that's who they are, we know the Vipers are not going to be a good team long term. If it's not and that was just a fluke, well, then the Vipers can move the ball. So they're just my example because they only scored three points. But you get what I'm saying. I I really think that after a couple of weeks, seeing all these teams play against each other, we're really going to find out a lot more, basically. And I think everyone else would agree with that. So I'm still riding with the defenders for the championship. They are, <coughs> if I was betting today, I would still be betting on the defenders for uh, the championship. But we are going to find out how good that offense is against the New York Guardians this week. So game of the week right there, Guardians versus the defenders. So also, for everybody that follows on social or knows the WhatsApp number, I need opinions from you. I need opinions on who is winning the logo slash the jersey war. So... Which of these teams came out and is really killing it with their logo, like their graphic design and their jerseys? Personally, I really like uh, it's kind of a tie for me. I really like the New York Guardians and the St. Louis Battlehawks stuff. The Vipers, they're really, really vibrant colors, but I, I don't know how much of a fan I was of the two different colors of green. I guess one could be argued as more yellow than green. I'm not a huge fan of the combination. I thought the Guardians uh logo looked ballin in the All Black that looks so cool. And then I I don't know, I just really like the Battle Hawk stuff as well. So those are my two picks for the logo and jersey wars. Uh let me know what you think, especially on WhatsApp, shoot a text and all. If you know, if we get enough responses, then I'll reveal on the next episode what you guys all are saying about the logo and jersey war. So With that being said, that is all for me today. Uh, Make sure to watch the XFL this weekend. We will have a recap on Monday's show. So if you're an XFL fan, Monday's show is going to be perfect for you. Make sure to follow us on all our social. Again, we're on Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. Uh, I probably missed one. Uh, And then text me on WhatsApp. Seriously, I will respond to that if you text on WhatsApp, 317-798-9969. Want to get your thoughts and opinions, really want to engage with the audience. So with all that being said, that is it for me. Have a phenomenal weekend. Watch the XFL, and we will talk to you all on Monday.